you for being here. We're adding today to our series of messages uh, that we've called Here I Am. We called it that because seven times in the Bible, someone is spoken to by God and their answer is, here I am. And in that, what they meant is, you know, I'm, I speak, I'm, I, let me know. Whatever you say goes. Whatever you ask, I'll do. Wherever you say, I'll go. And that kind of response, uh, it changes everything. These are the three words that change everything. When I was younger, every, almost every home had uh, old-fashioned landline phone. Ring, 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 pick it up, had a cord to it, hello. Uh, of course, one of the great things about those phones is they were indestructible. I think those phones would have survived a nuclear explosion. Uh, one of the bad things about those phones is you never knew who was calling. So the phone rang, you, you pretty much had to answer it because it could be your aunt saying, can you come over and walk my dog? Or it could be your best friend saying, Saturday night, dude, you got to be there. We've been invited. Awesome. And then they invented caller ID, and, and that was magical, right? Then, then you could know who was calling so you could decide whether or not you wanted to answer it. And now, in the days of cell phones, well, oh, of course, we, we know instantly and always who's calling us so we can ignore all of those robocalls. And I never, I imagine many of you are the same way, I never answer any call that I, I don't recognize the number. But what if we heard, what if news was going around that uh, there's, there's an organization that's calling people at random, robocalling people, and uh, if you answer, all you got to do is answer and say yes, and they'll give you a million dollars. I imagine that phone number would blast across the internet, and we've, all day long, we've been looking at our phones just praying that that number would come up for us. God speaks to us, and when he does, he's offering much more than that. So if you miss everything else this morning, don't miss this. When we receive God's word, lives are changed. When we receive God's word, in other words, when we say yes to him, when we welcome, when we, when we agree with whatever he's saying, lives are changed. First of all, our life is changed. The, the trajectory of our life is altered when we say yes to God, when we say, here I am. But there's a trickle effect, after, there's an after effect from that. Other lives are changed as well, and, and, and in some cases, many, many lives. And, and that, of course, was the case with a young boy named Samuel. So we're going to read his story this morning, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. And I'm going to read that, and I'm going to ask if you would do some spiritual aerobics. Let's go old school and stand out of reverence for God's Word. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. Here we go. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Now, Eli was the man. Eli was the high priest in Israel at the time, probably the most important, most influential figure in the nation. It's interesting, note, isn't it, that the word of the Lord was rare, and the word that they use there for rare also means precious, like... Um, it could mean precious, like really, really valuable, but it, it means primarily precious in the sense that there's not much of it. It was very rare, and it was priceless when it happened. 
One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. And that's probably a reference just to his age. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. Samuel was essentially an altar boy who lived in the temple. And he would oversee the lighting and the blowing out of all of the accoutrements around the temple. And there was a, there was a, a lamp that they would keep lit all night long. It had not gone on, out, which means it's very early morning. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you, go back and lie down. So he went back and laid down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I didn't call you, go back and lie down. Uh, one author I read this week called Eli a spiritual dolt. It's taking him a while to get what's happening here. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Don't miss that. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from the beginning. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sins he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. You may be seated. Okay, obviously Samuel didn't technically say, here I am to Eli, to the Lord. He said it to Eli, but in effect, Samuel said, here I am to the Lord. And this is one of our seven examples in Scripture of someone saying, here I am to the Lord and demonstrating for us yet again, when we receive God's word, when we say yes, when we say, here I am, lives are changed. And Samuel's life was changed, and so was the course of the nation of Israel. Boys and girls, any who are with us this morning or if you're listening to this later with your parents, I hope you will pay special attention to this story in your life. I believe God is speaking to some of you, and, and when we receive God's word, lives are changed. When I was a young boy, something very nearly like this happened to me. When I was 10 years old, I went to one of those churches, uh, old school southern churches, where we had revivals. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but somebody would come in for a weekend or maybe for a whole week, and we would have a service every night, and they would preach. And at, at the end of each service, the pastor would be up front, and he would offer an invitation. He would say, if there's anyone who senses God speaking to them, come down front and shake our hand, and we will pray for you. And every night of the revival... I felt God speaking to me. I was, I was overwhelmed. A couple of nights, and I'm a 10-year-old kid. My friends are in the audience. I'm thoroughly embarrassed, but I can't help myself. A couple of those nights, I came down front, and I was crying because God's presence was so powerful in my life. Uh, through that 
week, I remember my mother talking to me a couple of times, and you know, she'd put me in bed at night and, and to kind of explain to me what was going on to me because my mother was a Christ follower. Now, unfortunately, I didn't have someone directing and guiding my life as closely as I wish I had had, so I went through some periods of time after that where I, I said no to that voice of God, and I, I departed from him. But having said yes, it, it changed the course of my life. In fact, weirdly, because of that 10-year-old boy in that little church in a very, very small town in South Carolina saying, here I am, God, in effect, we're all gathered here together. Uh, not because of me, but because of God's work in us. When we say yes to God, lives are changed. There are four takeaways from this that I don't want you to miss this morning, and we're going to be quick. Takeaway number one, our God speaks. Pause for dramatic effect. Our God speaks. You see this throughout Scripture. Abraham, Jacob, Moses, now Samuel. Many of you have experienced this. Our God speaks. He speaks through dreams. This has happened throughout Scripture, and I know some of your stories, some of you have experienced this as well. He speaks through emotions. This is why people sometimes get emotional in church or in God's presence, because God speaks through our emotions. God speaks through our circumstances. Malcolm Muggridge once said, Every happening, great and small, is a parable whereby God speaks to us, and the art of life is to get the message. God speaks through the small inclinations of our heart and mind sometimes. Mother Teresa once said, God speaks in the silence of the heart. God speaks through nature. You may have experienced that on a beautiful day that's not 110 degrees. You're out walking around. It's one of those perfect days that there's no humidity and, and you, uh, you sense God's presence. God speaks through nature. George Washington Carver said this, I love to think of nature as an unlimited broadcasting station through which God speaks to us every hour if we only tune in to listen. And most of all, God speaks through Scripture. God speaks through His story. God speaks through His uh, divinely inspired interactions with His people and, and, and the words of His prophets and, and, the, and the words of His worship songs in the Psalms. Our God speaks. Takeaway number two, our God speaks personally. Samuel, Samuel, God called him by name. Now, those of you who've been around Gateway for a number of years, you have heard uh, most of my stories by this point, but uh, there's a, one story that I'm not sure I've ever told here at Gateway. I've had one experience in my life where I actually felt like God may have spoken audibly. I'm not sure, but I think he might have. Diane and I were fairly newly married, so this was 1830, and uh, I was in seminary at the time, just outside of Boston, Massachusetts, and we were living in married student housing. We hadn't been there long. These were nice apartments, one-bedroom apartments. Uh, Diane and I are asleep, and I'm in school full-time. Diane is working full-time, so Diane would get up in the morning early, and she would take what was essentially the beltway around Boston uh, to go to her job. 
She was working for accounts receivable for IBM. And uh, one morning, before Diane got up, and she got up at the crack of dawn because the 128 was like 495. It took forever for her to get to work. Uh, one morning, I don't even know if the sun was up yet. Uh, Diane was not yet up. I heard someone call me. Ed. I thought, it's the middle of the night. Who? So I got up. And I walked around our apartment. It was a small apartment. I thought some, one of my friends had just come into our apartment in the middle of the night. It was called, come back, trying to get me up. I walked around, didn't see anybody. Oh, that's weird. Turned the lights back off, went back to bed, almost asleep again. Ed, what? So I got up again, walked around the apartment. I'm as much of a spiritual dolt, evidently, as Elon. In fact, this time, I went out into the hallway of our apartment building. I walked up and down the hallway. Who, who has, who's waking me up? I went back and I got back into bed. And when I got back into bed this time, I remembered this story. And instantly I thought, could, could God have spoken to me? And I have to be honest with you. My first thought was, I am a stinking spiritual giant. God is speaking to me. He's, a, he's actually speaking out loud. I must be something. Sorry. So I'm about to go to sleep again. And then now I can't because I've got this feeling that maybe God has spoken to me. And then I had an experience that I've had probably two handfuls of times in my life. I don't know if any of you have ever experienced this before, but this is the way that God when he has something very specific, not just a general impression, but something very specific to say to me, there have been a couple of handfuls of times that he's done this. I have what I call a thought bomb. I can tell you where it entered my brain. It feels like it physically entered my brain. And it, it feels foreign to my thinking. And I'm lying in bed wondering what just happened, kind of excited, maybe God has spoken to me, and all of a sudden... I have this thought, and I point there because that's where it came. It felt like, it, like an arrow shot into my brain. And I heard, get up. I want to spend time with you. So I'm a natural doubter. And I thought, what was that? That's a weird thing for me to think. And, and what I ultimately came to, the, the conclusion I ultimately came to is, you know, that must have been God. Why would I say to myself, get up. I want to spend time with you. I would say, get up. You need to have a quiet time. But my thought was, get up, I want to spend time with you. So I got up and had an incredible time with the Lord that I'll tell you about in a minute. God speaks personally. Samuel, Samuel. And when he speaks, if we respond, if we receive his word for us, our lives are changed, and that will ripple out to many, many others' lives, many other people as well. So if God speaks, let's do a little on-the-side parentheses here. If God speaks, why don't we hear him? His silence uh, leads some of us to believe that he doesn't actually speak, and, and maybe that's true. However, I'd suggest there's a lot of evidence counter to that assumption. So maybe those people who hear God ultimately are lunatics. And certainly some of them are. But what if all of them aren't? What if 
Well, that means God speaks. And saints throughout the ages, even those who have heard from God, they've all complained that, that why doesn't God speak more? So if you don't hear from God regularly enough, recognize, first of all, you're in good company. But what about if you never hear from God? Well, the Bible offers at least three reasons for our inability to hear God speaking. There may be others, but at least three. And by the way, we're going to do a whole series of conversations this fall on how to hear from God. We'll, we'll talk about that for five weeks, and I'd, I'd love for you to be part of that. Let me quickly give uh, some of the explanations that the Bible offers for why we don't hear God more. Explanation number one, sometimes we don't hear him because we don't really know him. This was uh, Samuel's story. Samuel didn't know him. And I want you to recognize that Samuel was an altar boy. Samuel was, he couldn't have been more religious or in a more religious place. So I, I don't care if you go to church or if you grew up going to church or, or if you went to Catholic school through elementary school, middle school, and high school, if you know all the right things to say backwards and forwards, that doesn't matter. The question is, do you know him? Listen to what Jesus said about that in John chapter 10. He was in the midst of a conflict with the Pharisees, and he, he said this, Look, the miracles I do in my Father's name, they speak for me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they'll never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Sometimes we don't hear him because we don't really know him. The second reason the Scripture offers is sometimes we don't hear him because there's a spiritual impediment in our lives. And the primary example of this is sin. Often for us, it's when we are carrying a secret sin, and we're buried in guilt and or shame, and we're unable to hear God's voice, I want you to hear a scary thought shared by the prophet Isaiah. Uh, if we're in sin, not only do we not hear him, he doesn't hear us. Isaiah 59.2, Isaiah shares again what is for me maybe the scariest verse in the Bible. Isaiah says, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so he will not hear you. Evidently, God doesn't hear all prayer. If we are wrapped in sin, continual and habitual, he will not hear us. A third reason that the Bible gives is sometimes we don't hear him because we're not tuned to the right frequency. Uh, funny way of saying it, but there's a, there's a fascinating story in 1 Kings 19. Some of you will be familiar with this story. Uh, the prophet Elijah has just been through a dramatic, circumstance and he's he's extremely depressed he goes off hiding by himself and he wants to hear from God so listen to verses 11 through 14 the Lord said go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord Elijah's like this what do you got for me God this great wind must be God but the Lord wasn't in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. Oh, 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 wait. There's God moving. But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. 
And Elijah heard it. He pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And the voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Sometimes we're just not tuned to the right frequency. We haven't given God the time and space that he needs in order to speak to us. Our God speaks personally, and if our hearts are tuned toward him, and if we know him, and if we are giving him time and space, occasionally we will hear him. All right, third takeaway for for today. Sometimes in this process of hearing from God, sometimes people need a spiritual guide. They need a friend or a counselor or a teacher. And often, listen, often children need a spiritual guide in order to process this. That was the case with Samuel. He needed Eli to point him in the right right direction. Now, as I pointed out as we were reading this story, Eli was a spiritual dolt. He was an idiot. He just wasn't getting what was happening. Look, it took him three times before he was sensitized to the fact that Samuel might have been hearing from the Lord. Look, if Eli can pull this off, then any of us can do this job. This is one of the main jobs for us as parents. Parents, is to remain spiritually sensitive, looking for spiritual teaching moments for our children and, and directing them in the right direction. This is also why we are encouraging you to volunteer with our Kids Town program. When you leave today, as you walk out the, the doors, if you look straight up on the wall, up straight in front of you, you'll see a series of Lego men. And we are clothing those Lego men according to how many volunteers we get for Kids Town over the next several weeks because we are trying to stand up our 9 a.m. service. We've got a lot of young families that are not coming to church right now because 9 o'clock is the service they need to come to, kid nap time, etc. And they don't want to come without our Kids Town program. So we're, we're looking for enough volunteers to stand up our Kids Town program. Thank you so much for already having volunteered. A number of you have, so much so that we're, we are now able to stand up our babies and toddlers already for our 9 o'clock service beginning this fall. But we've got a, a much bigger ask for our entire preschool program and the upstairs elementary program. This is why we're encouraging you to volunteer with our Kids Town program because children need a spiritual guide. They need to, in order to hear God's voice, they sometimes need an, an assistant, a, a mentor, a tutor. And when we respond to God's voice, lives are changed and futures are reshaped, especially the lives of children. Fourth and final takeaway, our God's kingdom is upside down. This is what Jesus meant when he said, blessed are the poor. You know, in Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the weak and the meek. Jesus' listeners must have been thinking, what? How are they blessed? This is what Jesus meant when he said, the way to lead is to serve. If you want to live, die to everything. And then Jesus demonstrated the upside-down nature of God's kingdom by showing us that he was the Son of God, he was the promised Messiah, but he came to suffer. In a completely upside-down way, he died so that we could live. At the point in time of the writing of 1 Samuel, Eli's family 
was the most influential family in all of Israel, and Samuel was a nobody. Please understand, ancient Israel was not a meritocracy. This was not a place where you could be whoever you wanted to be just if you believed enough and if you worked hard enough. That's the promise of America. We don't always fulfill it, but that is the promise of America. America is a meritocracy. You, you, you got belief, you got hope, and if you work hard enough, you can make it happen. In ancient Israel, that was not the case. You were born into your station, and you were there for life. That was your place in society. And yet, because Samuel received God's word to him, the script was completely reversed. And Eli and his family were judged and eliminated. And Samuel was elevated to become one of the greatest prophets in the nation of Israel's history. And he reshaped the history of the entire country because when we welcome God's word to us, lives are changed. Uh, that morning in my early 20s when I heard God speak to me, uh, I had that thought bomb, get up, I want to spend time with you. I thought that was extraordinarily weird, so I did. I got up, it wasn't uh, daylight yet. I left my apartment and, uh, you know, I knew in a few hours the, the seminary would be buzzing with people, so I tried to find a place up on top of a hill where I, I wouldn't run into any traffic for the day, and all I brought with me was my Bible. I didn't, uh, I didn't really use it, but I... I was in prayer. I was waiting for the sun to come up. And I remember, th I, honestly, what I was probably doing was, oh, I think I was doing what I, I described the prophet Elijah doing a minute ago. Okay, say something awesome to me. <laughs> Speak. What? Tell, tell me I'm going to conquer nations. What's happening? Come on. And I waited and waited and didn't, <laughs> I didn't hear anything. And then the the sun began to come up. And I can't explain why, but it, uh, the way that it cast light and shadow on the, the rolling hills that, that laid out before me, I saw my life laid out in those hills and valleys. And I, I had a powerful sense of God speaking to me, saying, uh, I've been with you through it all. I've, I've taken you up the hillsides, and I've been with you in the valleys. And I have to tell you, it's, it's uh, one of the reasons before the service this morning, Nate, our electric guitar player, said that the song Majesty was one of those songs that really hits for him and moves him, and it does for me too. But that last song we sang is also one of those songs for me, The Goodness of God. I think I experienced that morning that uh, the lyric in that song is, I've known him as a father, I've known him as a friend, and I have lived in the goodness of God. And that morning, I sensed that God has been with me, guiding me in, in every step of my journey, and that I have lived in the goodness of God. I was so profoundly grateful. It wasn't long after that uh, that Diane and I received an invitation for me to pastor a church in the city in Boston where we'd lived and ministered for 13 years. And it was years before I realized, I think that morning on top of that mountain was the beginning of God moving me in that uh, direction of ministry. Because 
When we receive God's word to us, lives are changed. Our life is reshaped, and so are the lives of many others. Uh, you know, we end with a question, right? Do you know him? Have you experienced him? Do you know the goodness of God? I don't mean are you religious. I mean, do you know the goodness of God? Have you heard his voice? Have you felt his touch on your heart? Uh, have, you, have you stepped in? Have you made that personal connection? Have you recognized that uh, my life is incomplete? I need someone to rescue me. That, that God has come in the form of his son Jesus as a rescuer. Have you done that work in your life and in your heart? And if you have, have you thanked him lately? <laughs> have you had one of those times when you've been overwhelmed with gratitude because you live in the goodness of God and your life has been changed and it is now a change movement that grows out of you? because you've responded to his word. Let's pray. Lord, I, I want to pray if there's anyone here this morning who doesn't really know you, they have not responded to your voice and said, yes, I'm in. I need your grace. I'm, my, my life is a mess and I need rescue, help. I want to turn it all over to you. I need you to save me. Jesus, I welcome you in my life. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning who has never said that, I pray that you would speak now and draw them in. We're listening. And for others of us, Lord, remind us of the day, the month, the year during which you spoke so powerfully in our lives when you moved us, the period when you reshaped us, you changed the trajectory for us, Remind us of those subsequent times when you've whispered, you've encouraged, you've spoken. Remind us this morning, Lord, that we have lived in the goodness of God. We've lived under your direction. We're so thankful. I also pray, Lord, I pray for us this week that we would tune our lives to your frequency. We would stop we that we would resist the bustle or the worry or even the frenetic planning. I pray that we would tune our hearts and our minds to the Spirit's frequency and that you would speak. We believe you speak. We believe you speak personally. And we want to hear you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen.